Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to an expert panel for their adjudication. We do it all in one hour on this Wednesday, the 15th of February. Let's get stuck into it. The panel today, the king of the charts, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets in the West. Carl, how are you, sir? Very well, thanks, Koshi. Glad to be here. Yep, and uh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, you surviving earnings season. Yeah, it's well, the first couple of weeks have always been pretty quiet, but the next couple of weeks is definitely ramping up a lot. We've seen that this week. So we're surviving so far, managed to avoid any bombs. Yep, good. There's always one or two lingering in there. (laughs) So you've got to be careful. Yep, exactly. Let's get stuck into it because we've got a lot to get through this uh, first half hour in Guinea, Accent, Arafura, Rare Earths, Chuas and Degray Mining. But stock of the day, CSL. Uh, yesterday reported, I want to do a stock of the day today because I wanted to get Carl's view on the chart because I remember last time or the time before you are on, Carl, you said CSL has a really interesting chart. Will it pop to the upper upper range? Um, well, their profit dropped 9% yesterday, uh, the announcement for the first half. Vive, Vive for takeover costs really had a... Uh, had an impact, but the CSL chief executive says the acquisition caused a drag on gross margins. Uh, but a number of its plasma collections were at record high. Uh, CSL Securus continuing to deliver strong sales. That's the uh, the vaccination part of it. Uh, shares advanced as much as seven percent on Tuesday before easing to trade one percent higher. Today it is what off slightly. Uh, Carl, oh, chart master, Um, what are they telling you about CSL? Because uh, Michael and I were talking just before we went on air because uh, Mark Morland from um, Team Invest, massive fan of CSL, like a lot of the markets, when it was down at 250, 260, I was saying, gee, everyone's nervous about CSL. He said, look, it gets down to that level at least once a year, you just buy a few and a few more and then run it up. So it has been trading yeah. in that range, hasn't it? It has, yeah. That was post buy for acquisition and yes. it didn't make it. I was sitting here completely clueless. I wrote a, a, a client note on it after that happened. And it was one of the few times I think I've ever said this in the history of my career is look, just forget the chart doesn't look good, forget the chart, but it's just, it's just too cheap down here. So I put a buy on it on that day. Um, I don't, I'm pretty sure I haven't changed that in any of the contract notes since then. So we're still at a bite at Think Markets. I thought the result was, I'm going to call it a very, very small beat. Uh, margin, yes, it, you know, it's beauties in the eye of the beholder. Some will say margins were down, but that's mainly a product mix change as plasma comes back on. Yeah. Um, so, so the result was fine with me. Uh, chart-wise, it is starting to look very, very good. I covered it yesterday in my um, Tuesday webinar for clients. I think... 
Look, we were hoping for a better close yesterday. You can see the two candle pattern yes. at the end there. This is the short-term yeah. chart. So those upper shadows, so they're the sticky bits in the candles pointing up. You imagine um, the only way you can get those shadows is if you traded up there at some stage during the day, but you were beaten back down by the close. Yeah. So that does indicate that it missed some broker's expectations and they're selling. The net net two day is is, is, is flat. So again, it's we're kind of, we're going to have to work through what the local fund managers think about it, and now we're seeing what the overseas fund fund managers think about yeah. it. Let's let the let's let the dust settle, and I think what will come out of this is the short term trend, which is the light green zone that's pointing up. The long term trend, which I, which is a dark green zone, that's pointing up. Overall, the price action looks good, and I think the candles are fairly benign at this stage. As in, I don't think they're signalling anything too sinister okay. to the downside. So the backdrop is one of strength. Looking to the long-term chart, this is what I pointed out yesterday yeah. to, to clients. This is what excites me about CSL, is this prospect of if it can break through initially 320, I think 343 is the next target. But if we look back, um, and I've used a log chart here, Koshi. So what it does, yeah. is we look at seeing percentage gains. That's why the scale looks really weird. Yeah. You can see sort of 80, 100. What I'm trying to show here is that you can't look at CSL in terms of what's a $300 stock and just focus on the price. I want to look at, in percentage terms, how well it's done into this consolidation phase, which you can see is lasting a couple of years now. Wow. From a technical perspective, if we can break through the top of that range, quite often you'll see what happened before the range happen after the range. And that could take us well beyond 343. So for me, I'm going to reiterate my buy on CSL today, okay. both from a fundamental and technical perspective. Okay, so if it gets to 343 and breaks through that, then it's starting a new level. It's blue sky from there. So I'm, I'm happy to add, add some risk here. You might, if you're a bit more conservative, add a little bit here, wait till it closes above 320, add some more there. And when it closes above 343, that's your final entry point. Okay, all right, Michael? Um, we like CSL and we've repeatedly sort of suggested that it's worth looking at, particularly when it's been back around that 270, 280 and yep. a number of times over the last three years now it's looked like it's going to break out. Um, hasn't quite done that yet, but who knows, this might be the time. But looking yep. back through history, there's been, you know, over the last 30 years or whatever since um, it, it listed, there's been periods of strong consolidation and then periods of massive breakouts. So you could argue that the pattern this time is building up for a similar result. Um, I thought the results yesterday were, were completely fine. I mean, it wasn't their best result in history. They are still cycling through some of the impacts of COVID, um, but it does look like they're on the recovery path quite nicely. Um, they do look like they're integrating that VIFOR acquisition quite well. Um, right. the, the numbers coming through. So that's through, going to be a win for them? That's going to be a win. I mean, some of the costs around integrating that have been higher, but the actual numbers from that VIFOR business have been yep. probably better than a lot in the market expected. Um, their bearing business, um, or however you pronounce it, barring, um, that was a slight miss on expectations and that's, a, and that's seen steady margin decreases over the last sort of few years. And that's probably one part that's a bit of a concern, but by and large, they've got a lot in the research and development pipeline. The valuation at the moment on CSL isn't that high relative to the, the 10 year average or the long term average. Yeah. It's come down well below the five year average um, which is probably expected given the rise we've seen in interest rates, but it's not overly expensive by traditional measures. Um, so we still like the business, happy to hold it. It's probably the biggest one or two positions in our portfolios and right. definitely in the model portfolio. Um, so happy to stay the course here for the long run. So you'd hold? Definitely. Would you buy at these levels? 
Um, yeah, for new clients, if we had a fresh batch of cash and starting from right. scratch, we would include CSL. Existing at the clients, moment. though, add to Existing it. Existing clients are pretty well up to the max, right. but we would buy if we. So it is. Suppose a new portfolio, we would buy probably right. five. So it's the waiting. Five to seven. Well, probably the model portfolio is around six and a half percent, which is quite a large waiting, and that's yep. probably the biggest waiting. Yeah. Okay. Might even right. be a bit more actually. Yeah, the big run up. Okay. That one's around, yeah, probably seven, seven and a half. So you can buy to seven percent. That's what we would do, but obviously each individual depending on their Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only general advice. (laughs) And dividends and all that. As the disclaimer said uh, at the start (laughs) of the show. Uh, Fascinating though. Um, Just quickly, Carl, question without notice because there's a lot happening today. Commonwealth Bank uh, result. Were you um, anything to worry about there? Well, honestly, I've been so busy this morning, Koshi, yeah. uh, even preparing for this show, trying to get that in. I haven't actually seen the, the numbers and the result, but a market reaction is everything. Yep. Yeah. So, look, it's. Uh, I would say clearly it's it's a miss on expectations. It's not about where we start the trading day. It's about where we close. Right. So it's powering, powering back from that. That's encouraging. A little bit of buy the dip. I would suggest for viewers, if it closes towards the lows of the session, so say sub 103, yeah. uh, then there's something sinister going on and it might be worth taking a little bit off the table. Okay, Michael. We discussed um, the banks a couple of weeks ago yeah. and I sort of suggested that we would probably be net sellers of banks. Um, and this is probably the reason. There's so much yeah. optimism that's been put into these share prices. Lots of talk about rising net interest margins, but we do fear where things go from here. Um, in terms of business credit growth, consumer credit growth, you know, in resi yeah. housing. Um, the big thing as well um, is there hasn't really been any competition in term deposits yet. So far, the banks have been able to pass on right. interest rate rises very easily. For and that's the, why their margins gone up. And now there's starting to emerge competition in deposit markets. You yeah. saw Macquarie slowly increase their deposit rates. So that's sort of the next phase that's going to come through. So far, they've been able to bank the interest rate rises pretty easily without yeah. doing anyone a favour, which is a, who holds deposits. But that's slowly going to shift as well, right. we think. Um, so, yeah, we're still not that optimistic on the outlook yeah. for the banks. They're very expensive. You can buy, you know, a five-year Commonwealth Bank bond, giving you a lot more um, interest than the dividend yield you're getting from CBA at okay. these prices. All right. Matt Common, uh, boss of Commonwealth Bank, uh, on Ausbiz 220. I think this afternoon, so we'll get the very latest. Um, let's go to the stocks you want us to take a look at. And Carl, Michael wants a view on Ingenia. The, uh, um, he says, nice, safe, boring, long-term <laughs> investment or overvalued. Uh, the thematic, thematic is good. It manages, develops, yeah. owns lifestyle property and communities for seniors um, around the country. And holiday parks as well. Holiday I think it's parks, got a yeah. yeah. I think it's got a really great mix of your defensive, which is your your retirement villages, and then your uh, consumer discretionary, which is your holiday parks. And obviously, uh, there's a, there's a housing crisis in Australia. There's a shortage of housing, so. Now, if you're in the business of creating housing, I think that's a very good place to be. And we're all going back and having holidays. The only um, maybe fly in the ointment might be well, interest rates have gone up significantly we might spend a little bit less on holidays mm. but having said that these guys are at the value end they're at the budget end of the holiday spectrum so these are you know holiday parks you go you drive you're driving holidays with your family that you can stay yeah. in uh, in a little um the grandkids yep 
Exactly. So I think it's it's a really um, interesting and exciting mix of assets they have. They've had some problems developing new projects because uh, costs have gone up. That's one of the oldest uh, sayings in the book for companies at the moment, isn't it? So mainly construction costs, availability of labour. I do think those things will back out. You're going to be left with a, a pretty well-balanced company that is expected to grow its earnings uh, in you know high teens, to, to low 20s in terms of uh, percentage over the next few years. Um, so I, look, I, from a fundamental perspective, once they get over this um, sort of post-COVID hump of, um, of cost pressures, I think there's a very good company in there. Um, our fair value target, I did the um, the DCF on this one, we got to 520, so that's about 13.4% upside. Yep. The brokers, broker consensus here, 487, so about 6%. So valuation fairly supportive of where the price is right now. The, the chart isn't terrible, but it's not knocking my socks off. So that's right. the only thing. So, you know, for me, find a, find a really good company with really good growth. I like the business and then find a point where the chart justifies an entry yeah. and that's the only thing missing for me so i'll keep, keep watching the chart if it starts to push up again i'm looking for the white candles the lower shadows 465 470 it's going to start to get me interested if it closes above 480 and i don't see until then then i'm happy to add, to add some risk at that point but a solid hold for okay. now michael yeah look it's not what I'd, I'd read about for a long time but i'm sort of happy that it got brought to my attention because it looks like it's pretty decent quality um, they've got over $2 billion worth of assets, mainly up and down the east coast of Australia. Uh, and they're counting on the aging population, also the migration into different, you know, into regional and coastal areas out of the city. Um, and they obviously have a big um, exposure to the holiday market as well, which is seeing a, a big bounce back. Um, and because it's at that sort of more budget end of accommodation into the market, um, the volatility doesn't seem to be as great and it's not as reliant on the global economy. But still, they do have you know, a lot of land, um, a lot of housing developments coming to market. So they are, in many ways, um, impacted by what's going on with interest rates and property prices and land prices. And, and that's probably one area we would be conscious of at the moment. I've probably got to go away and do some more work into working out the debt structure of this business and, and sort of their debt profile and the maturity of a lot of that debt and work out who's funding it at what rates. Um, they do have a fairly conservative LVR ratio of around 27%, which is a good thing in a high interest rate environment. Yeah. Um, and they do have a lot of settlements coming to market over the next couple of years, which will help them drive some pretty healthy earnings numbers. But in the meantime, they've got a lot of diversity um, in terms of their business model and a lot of income coming in from different sources. So. In the right environment, it's definitely one to have on my watch list. Um, yeah. I'll keep it there. I just think at the moment, I'm a bit unsure with interest rates and the impact, not only on the residential housing market, but the overall property market as well. So okay. happy to have it as a whole, but I would right. expect over time as earnings grow, dividends will grow as well, but I don't see any urgency at the moment. Okay. All right, uh, let's go to our next stock, which is in that consumer discretion uh, area. Serena wants a view, Michael, on Accent, the big footwear and clothing retailer. 750 retail, uh, retail stores around Australia and New Zealand. So it's big athlete sport, uh, Vans, Timberland, Skechers, Sorconi. Um, what do you think of Accent? It's um, been one of these businesses that's been a very good performer over a long period of time. We've never bought it because we could never understand why it had such a good um, position in the market and why it continued to deliver right. such good results. But there's obviously some secret sauce there that <laughs> management have been able to, 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 to sprinkle. Um, 
but basically they've got you know a large store base a lot of a big you know footprint across australia and new zealand uh, if you look back over the last 10 years or so they've had consistently growing you know revenue earnings margins return yeah. on equity the one hiccup um, which came was sort of in 2022 basically what happened was the business had all this stock because of the big run-up during covid and in order to not have that stock overhang, they just discounted heavily to clear it, which was yeah. probably a smart decision. Yeah. Um, but they had a very good update recently, um, and they seem to be back on that pre-COVID trajectory, which was very steady and very strong. So high-quality retailer. It's not one that we've got in the portfolio, but I can't give you a solid reason why, other than I probably don't understand how it sustains that competitive right. advantage um, at this point. But that can always be changed. Right. So a hold for you. Hold for me. Yep. Uh, Carl? Um, for a retailer and a discretionary retailer that everyone's nervous about, not a bad chart. It's had a good great run. Chart. Yeah. yeah, but look, the chart just reflects the underlying fortunes of the company and what the expected earnings are. And viewers really need to take that on board. Charts are just a reflection of earnings. Yeah. So charts aren't hocus pocus. It's not, you know, reading tea leaves or, or, or reading the bones. They're just a reflection of the earnings. And if the earnings are improving, guess what? The chart must improve because people are going to demand more of the shares than they're going to sell. And why this is picked up is because they had a monster November and December. Uh, and their last update was a huge beat. I mean, we're talking 10 to 20% on revenue, but 30% on EBIT right. because their margins weren't impacted. So not only sales got, but they managed to maintain their margins. And then they gave guidance, which is you know, still pretty rare in this day and age post-COVID, and that beat, uh, beat expectations as well. So this is all being reflected in the fact that those brokers, the big brokers, they go out, they tell their clients, this is a good one to buy. Demand floods in. The people who own the share ready, they know it's a good one. They read all the reports as well. They don't want to sell. So more demand, less supply price goes up. Uh, I'm happy to hold this one. Uh, you know, it's one I've, again, I've been uh, tweeting about for a while. So, you know, Think Markets clients have been in on this. For any of those people listening or any of the viewers who are interested, happy to go a hold. I'm not sure if it's a buy. I just don't like the price action from, I'll give you the candle there for viewers reference, 8th of Feb. Go look at that candle. I don't like what it did on that day. So I can't be at a buy just at this stage, but it's not so sinister enough for me to say start trimming uh, profits here. Right. So yeah, ha happy holder at this stage. My fair value target is 224, which still allows for about 6% upside yeah. from the current price. Okay. All right, uh, Carl Wilburn wants a view on the Arafura Rare Earths. Um, sort of, what's it mine? Uh, how do you pronounce it? Neodymium. That's it? Neodymium. Neodymium. That's Proteodymium. it? Proteodymium. Yes. Yep. No. Beauty. Uh, <laughs> and heavy metals as well. Uh, what do you think of Arafura, particularly when Linus's Rare Earths mm. is in the headlines at the moment, that Stoush with Malaysia? Yeah, poor old liners, you know, they're producing these minerals that are really critical. I mean, they're essential yeah. to so many industrial applications. And I think about six, mid, about two thirds of the world's production comes from China. And then about 85% of the processing of those minerals is centered in China. So this is such a hot topic at the moment. So you've uh, got the, the US government and the Australian government in particular are throwing money at projects to uh, at, at uh, you know uh, on in 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 country projects is yeah, that the yeah. right word Str strategic <laughs> strategic projects strategic, yeah, which exactly. is it because the rare earths go into you know, they go into silicon chips they go into 
magnets, so, yeah. magnets for your EVs and EVs, new farms. Yep. Yep. So it, let's call it a green. It's a green metal, green metals, even though to get those green metals, you've got to dig a big dirty yep. hole in the ground. Yeah. Um, so these guys have a, their project is called Nolan's Hill. It's in the Northern Territory, you know, straight shot up the highway to Darwin Port and then over to uh, China uh, or wherever it's going to go, to be fair. But the Australian government's uh, given them a conditional loan of up to $300 million, which is should be enough funding to get them to production. Um, they're in uh, FEED, so feed stage now, so front-end engineering design. It's, so it's very advanced. That should be finished in the middle of the year. We've got about 24 months, a two-year lead time to production. So we're talking, you know, late 2024, early 2025, before it goes to plan to get the stuff out. Now, um, their uh, DFS, Definitive Feasibility Study, I know there's lots of acronyms here, um, but the point is they're at late stage. The DFS said that their NPV, Koshi, net present value is 1.4 billion and that's using a price wow. of of near ndpr of 87 dollars us now the current price is 102 so it's a bit higher than that um so you it could be worth as much as i put it in my notes here um oh, i can't find it. anyway more billions than it is right now so uh 1.8 uh based upon the current oh, i can't find it. anyway anyway it's 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 worth it it's a 1.4 it could be worth 1.8 at the moment the present market value is 1.3 so uh, there's a little bit of room to move there but the problem the only problem i have with this and again i've been calling this a buy since it was 20 cents i've done it on this show and i've done it on osbys many times i'm going to go hold today it's just getting pretty close to that net present value and the thing is it doesn't matter what the ndpr price is today it matters what it's going to be in 2025 yeah. and that's for me that's 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 where your execution risk uh, lies in in the thing so i'm a happy holder at this stage there's nothing in the chart to suggest that it's going to crash anytime soon it's had a wonderful run 20 cents yep. 60 cents um i would say again you know if you're a little bit nervous if it closes closes beneath i'll give you a number here if you're nervous nearly if it closes beneath 60 cents okay start to take a little bit of profit on the table but i think you want to hold some because big picture it could be a good one okay Michael? Um, we actually own this. Um, a client brought it to our attention and after doing some research, we, we got in probably about 12 months ago and it's been one of the best performers for us, if not the best performer over that period of time. Um, basically that NDPR commodity um, is very rare outside of China. Yep. Um, and the thing is, Arafura has now got an offtake agreement, I think with Hyundai and Kia, as well as a lot of government funding to supply the market and their asset is very large, you know, it's, it's well endowed and it's well located. So it, that's a, a lot of positives in that sense. And it's got the capacity, I think, to supply up to 5% of the total world demand for this particular product. Mm. So there's a lot to like about it. The particular resource or the particular commodity, I'm sorry, um, is used in magnets, as Carl Wrighty points out, which can basically this particular rare earth allows those magnets to be more efficient and therefore smaller in size right. um, and allows for the, the, those electric engines to be smaller in size, whether that's for vehicles or turbines. Oh, okay. So it allows those electric vehicles or those turbines to be more efficient just generally in terms of size and weight and all those sorts of things. Um, at the back end of last year, they did a very large capital raising. Uh, Gina Reinhardt's Hancock Prospecting ended up with 10% of the business. And just to put it in perspective, I think the capital raising from retail investors was up to $12 million. There was bids, I think, for about $80 million. Oh, So there's probably okay. a lot of people that missed out on their capital right. raising that has been topping up over the last couple of months, and that's probably added to the momentum in the share price. 
This is not a business for everyone. It's going to be a very volatile ride. It's not meant to be into production for another couple of years at least. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen to the commodity price, as Carl points out, in the next yep. couple of years. But there is a good story there. Um, they do have a very good asset. And so far, they've well funded and they look like they're delivering on, on everything that they've been saying they will. So volatile ride. I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't be surprised if the share price pulled back. I wouldn't be surprised if it kept running, but you just got to right. keep that in mind. But if you stay the course, it could end up being a very successful you know, emerging commodities producer. So what do you got? I'm going to keep a buy at the moment just because the momentum okay. looks pretty strong. All right. Uh, let's go to our next stock. And uh, Kerry wants to view Michael on Chuas, the uh, mobile um, network telecommunication services in Singapore. Um, the founder of TPG left yeah. and went to this, didn't he, and started this in Singapore. So this was basically TPG Singapore, and then yeah. it was ended up being spun off when the TPG merged with Vodafone right. going back a few years. Yeah. Um, so they've got the 4G mobile network, which covers you know almost 100% of the Singaporean network. But the future success really is contingent on the rollout of the 5G and the uptake from their consumers of that right. 5G network. Um, at the moment, the 5G coverage that 2S has in Singapore is below 30%. They've got aspirations to get that up to around 95% by you know, calendar year 2026. So really, for this business, I think it's still pretty early um, in terms of determining how successful they're going to be. Obviously, there's a lot of competition in Singapore as well. But their revenue and their custom numbers have all been very good. Um, the customer retention numbers seem to have been pretty good. It's just whether or not those customers can be profitable. And as we saw going back to the Australian tech, not tech market, telecom market a few years back, you get this race to the bottom of sorts where you're looking yeah. to win customers, but you're just discounting heavily to get those headline numbers through the door with the hope of one day converting them into yep. profitable clients or customers. Um, this is the problem I have with 2S. I'm just not sure how good a quality um, these new customers are going to be and, and how profitable those new customers are going to be now or into the future because it takes a long time to sort of have that competitive um, dynamic play out. So I'm going to go a sell better right. alternatives. Okay. Our preference in the telecom space is Chorus, CNU. Um, oh. That has been for some time. It's just a similar business in some ways, but not entirely the same. Hmm. Uh, Carl, to us. Yeah, I'm just looking at the chart of CNU. I think the chart of CNU looks very good. I'd definitely buy CNU before I buy Tuas. Uh, I'd buy Telstra before I buy Tuas. You know what? I reckon I, if I kept typing, I'd probably find uh, 2,500 <laughs> stocks I'd buy before Tuas. <laughs> it is. It is. Right. Look, okay. it's, very hard to do, it's very hard to do research on a company that's only got two years worth of data. Because as you say, yeah. it's just been spun out. Um, the, the company reports, is very, they're few and far between. They're quite opaque. You literally have to look at the numbers. As Michael says, the numbers aren't terrible. Uh, revenue growth, very good. EBITDA growth, very good. But it does, it's not translating to that bottom line. And don't forget, it came out of uh, TPG, which was a great company for a very long time. Internet service provider, popular product. Um, and Vodafone Dash Hutchinson. Now, Vodafone, I don't know if viewers remember when that was listed, it mm. just kept losing money yeah, for horrible. all the reasons Michael said. Yeah. It had to, you know, it is the race to the bottom. Hutchinson, it was ticker code HTA Koshi. I don't know if you remember, I'm pretty mm. sure that's what it was. Um, that was horrible. It just kept losing money. So, two thirds of where it came from is, is just stuff that just kept losing money. I know I'm generalizing here, but the chart does it all for okay. me. There's no reason all for right. me to own stuff. 
Okay, uh, Warner wants a view, uh, Carl, on DeGray Mining, the uh, the WA gold miner in your in your backyard, yeah. the Molina Gold well, Project. Yeah. Um, what do you think of DeGray? Yeah, the Pilbara is a little bit far away far from away. my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, general, yeah, um, West Australians long think the whole thing's in their backyard. Longitudinal. Longitudinal. It's not in east, beds. in the east. <laughs> so it's the, there uh, was it 50 k's from Port Hickman or yeah. something is their project, which is good because it's really close to you know the, one of the most important point ports in the world, uh, Port Hedland, and they've got a, a huge resource up there, uh, their Hemi project H E M I, and look if it all goes well, they could be producing around 550 odd thousand ounces per annum. Now that's that's big bickies, you know. I mean, Newcrest is about two million, so nowhere near that, but most of your mid to small tier miners on the ASX, they're around 250 to 350 uh, on a good day. Yeah. So I'll probably put it in around about the top five Australian producers, mm -hmm. but it's so far away from getting there. That's the only problem I have for it. You know, they're not, I mentioned earlier on, on Arafura, they're at feed stage, F-E-E-D. You do feed after you do DFS, you do DFS after you do PFS. These guys are between their PFS, their pre-feasibility study, and their oh. DFS, their definitive oh, study. Yeah, that's a long way. And in okay. fact, in between the DF, the DFS and the, and the FEED is the FID, Koshi, which right. is your final investment decision. Oh, I, thought the, uh, I thought the F was going to be, yep, you just forget it. <laughs> or words to that effect. No, it. no, okay. No, no, I don't think so. And look, I mean, the market needs to find the value in these things yeah. and they will converge to what they'll be producing and earning um, in the day. And that day is probably... Uh, 2025 or 2026. So you are taking a leap of faith. And I do say, look, these are trades. When the chart looks good on these, they've got a great story. Brilliant. That's that's a big tick in the box. Half the battle. Two is for me. There's no story there. This is a great story. Watch the chart. As long as it's going up, hold it. If it starts okay. going down, get the hell out. It's pretty simple stuff. Right now it's going up. I'd hold, it, I'll give, again, viewers, I'll give a number because there's a little bit of momentum coming out. If it closes below 140, I'm starting to take a little bit off the table. But again, having a bit of skin in the game because the long-term trend is Okay. Up. All right, Michael? Um, look, it's not one I'm too familiar with just given the emerging nature of it, but it does have an enormous potential resource, very high grade, close to the surface. So it's, you know, an old-fashioned open-cut type mine. Um, and very well located near highways and, and gas pipelines, etc. So that does help reduce costs um, if it was ever to get into production. I know Bell Potter really like this one as they're right. an emerging sort of gold play. Uh, they have a number of different potential resources as well. It's not just the main Hemi site. Um, so look, if you really wanted a lot of risk um, with a long sort of uh, a long timeline, a long payoff, pay really yeah. <laughs> a lot of risk. <laughs> so it's not for me, but okay. I know why some people would be attracted because it does have a good story. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Uh, CSL, still a buy from Carl, um, is a core holding in Michael's clients' portfolios, uh, up to 7% of the portfolio. Uh, he has it a, as a whole, but if you're underweight, and he's happy to have it as a buyer's these, these levels. And Genia, a hold from both, um, uh, it's on Michael's watch list, Accent, a hold from both, Arafura, a buy from Michael, a hold from um, from Carl, take some profits if it gets to uh, 60 cents. Chuas, a sell from both, um, uh, Michael prefers Chorus in that sector. 
uh, and De Grey is a hold from Carl again. If the price gets to a dollar forty, uh, start taking some profits off it and a no from Michael. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, following our own fantasy portfolio, High Conviction Growth Fund, as picked by the Investment Committee. Uh, the last committee meeting is live uh, on the Ausbiz platform at the moment, ausbiz.com. Uh, February, they, uh, they removed Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi and added Paradigm and New Century Resources. And taking Michael's uh, advice, uh, they added the weighting of CSL up to 7.9%, BHP at 6.3%, uh, and Boss Energy they added to as well. Uh, since the 1st of March last year, this uh, fantasy growth fund up 13.4%. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Retail uh, Food Group, um, Weebit Nano, uh, Fisher & Paykel, NRW Holdings, and Latitude Group Holdings. Uh, Michael Roger wants a view on Retail Food Group, a uh, collection of, of franchise retail food outlets, uh, Donut King, uh, Michael's Patisserie, Brumby's Bakery, Gloria Jean's Coffee, whole range of them, Crust Gourmet Pizza. Mm. Um, real collection there. Yeah, real collection. The business used to be a sort of bit of a market favourite going back mm. a few years, then it had a disastrous um, result and was on desk door there for a bit as well. They've recently been able to you know, get the business going again um, and turn profitable again after a few years of, of very large losses. Um, their revenues, you know, after basically have been in steady decline for five years as the business restructured, but have recently started to slow, slightly tick up again. Um, they've shut down a lot of unprofitable stores, reopened in different locations. So I think, I think just looking at the numbers here, they basically closed over 83 stores, but reopened 72 seven new outlets so just changing the balance 17 five years ago yeah so it was a, one wow. of those stories with a, a very close call for investors losing everything yeah um, they've recently settled a class action with the the franchise franchisees. or franchisees yeah. um, from michelle's patisserie basically around their a marketing charge that the franchisees were being charged and that wasn't actually being used for marketing so that i think's been settled which again provides them a little bit more clarity in the years to come, but I can't get too excited by a company like this. I do think there are a million better options looking at right. the market. Okay. Uh, Carl, that's one yeah. horrible chart. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it was. It's starting, to, it's starting to turn up now. So the chart yeah. actually doesn't look awful now. You know, short-term trend is up, long-term trend is up. Price action looks pretty good, but I'm with Michael. I don't think I want to buy it. So again, I'd like to find a good company, great growth, um, solid business there, and then the chart should match up. Um, this one, look, the chart looks great. I just can't find a, find a reason to buy it on the business yeah. case. 
So, and, and that's think, your uh, that's your process, Carl. Is uh, that's why you that's, that's the, um, uh, the charts are your first filter to yes. to point out stocks of interest, and yes. then you go to the fundamentals. So good that, chart, but it. the fundamentals. Not yeah, see, so, Koshi, to, to do it the other way, you have to look at every company. Yeah, yeah. Um, to do it the chart way, I, I can so I can program this stuff in. I can literally yeah. go tappity, 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 short-term uptrend. I can define what that is. Yeah. Long-term uptrend, tick, price action, tick. I put that into my scanner, and those 2,500 stocks I talked about in the ACX earlier on, it literally takes 22 seconds to scan them all and just spit out the ones that are meeting that criteria. Now I've gone from a list of 2,500 to a list of maybe 15, 20. And right. I just do the work on those. Yeah. So it's yeah, so yeah. much simpler to do it this way. I'm I'm not anti-fundamental analysis. I'm just yeah. getting to the fundamentals a different way. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's so not, no. this one's not for me. All right. Okay. Um, our next stock, uh, Carl and uh, Willie wants to know if Weebit Nano is a stock for you in the uh, oh. memory semiconductor technology company, uh, coming up with a, a new memory card, is it? Yeah, this hey, it's gone up a wee bit. This one hasn't it? <laughs> uh, so this was my this was my top pick for twenty twenty three. I went on the Ausbiz uh, Christmas calendar that yep. you guys did last yep. year, and it was three fifty at the time, and it was my top pick. It's now six bucks. I'm pretty uh, happy with that call. Mm -hmm. uh, plenty of clients on this one. They're pretty happy with it as well. We're we're probably more at the at the trim side of things. Uh, it's had a great run, not to say it can't keep going, but I think we're of the view now, we'll take a little bit off the table and then just play with sort of more of the, more of the market's money than our money. There's yeah. nothing so sinister in the chart to suggest that it's going down, mind you, it's just capital management. It's, it's you know, it's just that it's had such a great run. There's gotta be some other stuff out there that's more likely to be at the start of its run right. than having extended like this. Possibly it consolidates here for a period of time. Okay, so, that, that's all I'm so saying. So when you trim, so, how much? One third is our, is our standard. So right. we, we start at a third and then we see how that goes. If the right. price continues to move down, we'll go another third. And then when that long-term trend changes, that green um, yep. uh, zone, you keep that, that's when we're out. So okay. you've still got some skin in the game if it keeps going, but if it does pull back a little bit, at least we've taken some off the table. Yep. The reason why I do, the, do it this way is a lot of investors feel they need to be all in or all out. Like yeah. they have to nail the bottom and yeah. nail the top. That is impossible to do. The problem is, Koshi, if you miss the bottom, think about this. That time you knew you should have bought that thing. Ah, oh, I knew I knew I should have bought it down there. And it's gone up fifty cents or a dollar. You won't buy it now. Yeah. Like, like I can't buy it now. It's gone up. I'll wait for it to pull back. Yeah. Does that thing ever pull back? No, of course no. not. <laughs> so, so we say you don't have to get it all right. Don't put the whole lot in. Just put a bid in. Yeah. And then if it starts to go up, put some more in and then put some more in. But if it goes down, no worries. You only put a third in. Just Same with right. getting out. We all want to get the top. And if we don't get the top, we'll belligerently hold on all the way down yep. because we missed the top by two cents. No, no, just sell some. Yep. And then if it keeps going up, you can always buy back in, right. but at least you got some out. So yep. that, that's our story. Good advice. Um, hold this. I'll let Michael talk about the fundamentals of yep. the technicals. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, you probably know a lot more about it, Carl, than I do, but it always gets compared with sort of brain chip. Yes. Um, but Weebit's probably slightly behind brain chip, but their technology um, looks very, very impressive. And they're going through all the tests at the moment for you know different heat sensitivities and things like that. Um, and they keep delivering very good outcomes from all those tests. They haven't really got a dollar of revenue just yet. Yep. Um, they're very expensive looking at things like book value, but they do have a lot of cash on the balance sheet. Uh, one sort of concern that many people have raised regarding this particular business is the competition emerging from the likes of 
of Google and Amazon to dominate this particular wafer and, and chip space. Um, but from look, from my standpoint, it's it's an interesting story. It's not one we can really buy based on fundamentals alone. You've got to sort of look at the charts, and that's where someone like Carl can come in and, and give you a hand. But yeah. it has been a very volatile business in the past. It does have a lot of a retail following as well. Um, so from my standpoint, I'll be um, probably steering clear at the moment, just yeah. in case you see that pullback come through. I'm not really sure exactly what was the catalyst for that big jump um, around sort of the middle of February, uh, middle of January. Yep. All right. Um, let's, uh, our third stop for this half hour is Fisher and Michael. Michael James wants a view on this, one of the three largest respiratory care device companies globally. Humidifiers, masks, sleep apnea machines, sort of part of it is a, uh, a competitor to ResMed, uh, but also um, um, hospital um, uh, gear as well, mm -hmm. medical supplies. So this is a business we hold. We've held this for a long period of time, um, but we've really only been buying it again for the last six months or so. Right. Um, basically, they dominate uh, the respiratory and acute care market globally. They've got about 70% of that market share. So if you think about going into hospital, um, those oxygen masks that, that hang from everywhere, that's more often than not supplied by Fisher and Paykel. And the thing is, once it's been used once, it has to be tossed out yep. and replaced for the next person. So there's a big cons um, consumables aspect to this business. They've also got sleep apnea device part to the business as well. But they had an enormous uplift, as you can imagine, during COVID. Yep. Uh, there was lots of masks being used. Then COVID, not passed, but the effects of COVID started to, to diminish and the balance sheet was a little bit choppy as a result. It was very hard to differentiate what was a, a COVID-driven uplift and what was the core right. business. Now we're starting to get signs from Fisher & Piker, which reported back in November, that their core consumables business is returning to a more normalised environment, but still growing very nicely. Uh, and their margins are starting to recover as well very nicely. So very high quality business, very good balance sheet going back a long period of time. Uh, initially based in New Zealand or still you know, based in New Zealand, but they moved all the factories and things like that to Mexico. That also helped them increase margins over time. And, and it's a business that you can expect, I think, to continue to grow, you know, operating profits um, at around sort of 20, 30%, you know, EBITDA above above, um, sorry, a net profit of around 10 to 15, 20%. So high quality business, high quality margins, good quality earnings, we're happy to buy it. It's starting to turn around now and the momentum actually looks quite good. Okay, Carl, Fisher and Michael. Yeah, I can't say anything different from what Michael has said. He's basically, that's, he's nailed it. Uh, I like, I like, I like the business. Um, I think it's fairly valued to a little bit cheap here. The only problem with um, Fisher and Paykel is you, you, you're paying a pretty decent price for it. So uh, 62 times this year's earnings, and that's wow. forecast earnings, 50 times next year's. And, but there's great growth in the business. You're looking at 20% per annum compound. So you're paying sort of three years out, it's about 35 times, which I think is is reasonable for a growth stock of this nature and quality. So I prefer this to ResMed. I think maybe that's the other way we could attack this mm. discussion today. I think a lot of um, viewers out there probably own ResMed or maybe they're thinking whether they should buy ResMed or this one. I'd lean towards this one, uh, both from the, I guess, the, the business standpoint, the, the valuation and the chart looks better for 
for me as well. So it's more of a recovery play. You can see it turning around there. I do believe that the long-term trend has changed. So I'm happy, therefore, to, to add risk to this one. Um, I, it was my feature chart on January 16 in my Twitter shortlist. And for anybody who got on there, I'm a happy holder here. I would I would add some more. So I think, um, let's say if it closes above, say, 24 bucks, looking to put more risk on this with an eventual target, I think you can get back towards 30. So um, let's call it a, a hold slash condition, uh, 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 an ad. So a buy conditional on it right. back above 24. 24, okay. All right, I'll make a note of that. Um, and next stock, uh, back to the sort of mining services sector. Mm. Stanley wants a view, Carl, on NRW Holdings, the big uh, uh, infrastructure and mining contractor, civil engineering, civil mining. Yeah, it's, it's their bull market. These companies historically are, are all, they're bloody awful, Koshi, when, when, <laughs> when the mining industry is in the toilet. These things, again, uh, Michael was mentioning, was it if... Um, uh, was it F, not FBH, RFG, you know, yeah. on the verge of going under. Many of them do go under in, in, the, in the doldrums. Don't worry, it's not the doldrums right now. Fingers crossed for me and, and all of my other compatriots over here at WA, that doesn't change anytime soon. Uh, these guys are killing it right now. And I think, you know, everything's setting up for them to continue to do so. Look, fingers crossed, China mm. reopening, fingers crossed, uh, after we get through this global recession, interest rates come down, we're still rebuilding post-COVID. Uh, look, I think they're okay. Um, I don't think the valuation is stretched at all. I think actually they, they still look um, kind of cheap here. So uh, let me give you a, a number on that. I know uh, people look at the chart and they go, oh, it's gone up too much. You know, it can't go up anymore. Um, you know, it's trading, it's trading on less than, uh, what's the, I'm in the right place here. Uh, I've, I've lost the. I've lost it anyway. I, I can't find the right number here, but right. it's 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 still cheap. I can't tell you how much though, and right. maybe I'll put it. On, I'll, I'll tweet the tweet the thing I had, uh, but it still looks fairly valued. The 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 chart looks very very good. So uh, I'm a holder. Again, uh, it's pulling back a little bit. Let me just see it move back above three, and then I'm back to a buyer. Okay. All right. Is that a view on the sector as well? I Not think, just uh, the the, uh, the mining sector. Yeah, I can tell yeah, you what. Uh, who I else know, you got? Monodelphus in there. You've got um, you know, set, set, yeah, yeah. Seven Group has a bit of, bit in there as well. Oh, yeah. Well, again, all of those charts are still very good. It's not just all, right. uh, okay. all the ones we talked about are not just mining. There's a there's a massive infrastructure build as well, and that's yes. kind of that that post COVID build okay. up that we're seeing. Um, you know, to get so a good sector kind of, to be involved in. I'm still happy to be here. Yeah. So yeah. it's just pulling back a little bit. And again, uh, uh, pullbacks are great. They give you an opportunity to get it a little bit cheaper, but I don't buy as it's pulling back. Yeah. Let me just see it turn back up. Right, and that, okay. that's what I'd like to jump on. Uh, Michael, NRW? Yeah, look, it's not a business we've ever held. Um, I think with these companies, you can't just assume they're going to do consistently well over the very long time, uh, very long term. You've got to be very active around them and use the charts as your guides to get in and out because your class is a cyclical stock, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100% so. Yeah. But when the cycle turns for something like this, it's going to get thumped, you know, a lot more than, say, the miners that they're servicing. Yeah. Um, at the moment, their contract pipeline looks very, very good. Their tender pipeline looks very good. They came out at the back end of last year um, and reaffirmed their full-year guidance um, and gave an update on some new contract wins. So if you're an investor holding it now, you don't have to be freaked out about the upcoming result. It's been pretty well pre-released and they might even have some more positivity to announce. So you reduce some of that downside risk around the report. 
Um, but ultimately, it's very driven by the mining space. It does have a lot of early stage projects, um, which is probably a positive in some sense. Um, and then long term, they've got a big alignment to the iron ore industry with a little bit, little bit of infrastructure thrown in. It's hard to bet against it at the moment because of that very good update at the back end of last year and the strong momentum in the share price. Um, but on a short term trading basis, you know, if you're looking for a quick 10, 15%, I can see how a company like this will deliver it. So yep. on a short term trade, I'm happy to go buy. Um, but for the long term, it's not really something that I would keep as a, a core holding in the portfolio. Right. So you've got it as a trading buy. Trading buy, yeah. Okay. All right. And our final stock, um, back to the financial sector now. And um, uh, Michael Clifton wants a view on Latitude Group, the uh, finance group that's in a bit of buy now, pay later, a bit of insurance. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you go to Harvey Norman and get your three years interest free, that's usually through Latitude, isn't it? Yeah, so consumer lending, um, yeah. personal lending type business, um, very counter cyclical in many ways. They have actually struggled the last couple of years given people have been flush with cash. However, as interest rate rises start to bite, people will start to look for personal loans and they'll also start to get consumer financing on purchasing a new dishwasher from Harvey Norman or whatever it may be. So they're actually quite optimistic about the outlook, just listening to, to management's commentary. Um, but it's not the, typically the sort of business that we like. And as you can see, it hasn't been the best sort of listing of all yeah. time either. But then again, it hasn't been the best conditions for it either. Uh, the quality of their customers seems to be fairly high, over 80% um, tend to have an income, a, a pretty good income above a certain level. Uh, they've you know, managed to maintain pretty good relationships with their customers. Once a customer uses them once, they tend to use them quite frequently. But Again, looking at that chart, it's pretty average. Management is very optimistic about the future, but you haven't really seen the signs of that coming okay. through yet. So it's more of a, a wait and see. Uh, but as, as Carl sort of touched upon earlier in the show, it's, there's probably you know, numerous other alternatives you'd look at yeah. before looking at this well, business. Well, in the, in the financial sector space, you've got the big four banks, you've got, you've the, got big Macquarie, four. you've got the regional banks. So there's a lot to choose That's from. That's right. Isn't? And there's things like and credit They don't corp. have charts like that. That's right. So for mine, it's a, a sell probably. Okay. Carl? I'm just looking through some of those charts. I like the insurers at the moment. I think those charts look very good. So Suncorp, QBE. IOG's um, had, a, had a bit of a run this week too, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah. has. Um, I don't know if that's my favourite chart out there, but right. um, certainly Suncorp and QBE still look right. good if you're looking for okay. a financial services yep. company. Well, this one's not, it's not terrible. I mean, it doesn't look uh, very expensive trading on nine and a half times earnings. It's got, uh, but once we sort of get past this uh, slump in earnings, uh, potentially some growth in the business. I'm just working off the broker consensus here. Uh, 16% compound annual growth rate out to FY25. So you would say on first pass, it looks very, very cheap. Um, and then I go, well, okay, it looks cheap. Let's go look at the business. You can see, as Michael said, counter-cyclical, moving into the right period of time. And then I look at the chart and I say, well, the chart's not matching up. So something's wrong there. And yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say what it is. Uh, maybe their own cost of funding. So obviously 
um, you know, being a, a smaller player in the industry, they're more of a, a price taker in terms of the funding they get to then on yep. sell in terms of credit to other people. So that might be the main part of it. So when interest rates go up, it gets good for good for CBA, right? They're, yep. they're the, the elephant in the room, not as good necessarily for latitude. Mm. So yeah, with, with that, you know, decent business, good valuation, but the chart doesn't confirm yet. So I can go hold on two out of three, but not a buy. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, retail food group, a no from both. Uh, Webit Nano, a no from Michael. Um, Carl, this was his uh, stock of 2023 um, as he taught us on Ausbiz over Christmas. Um, he's saying take some profits, trim a third because uh, you've had a fantastic run. Uh, Fisher and Paykel, a buy from Michael. Hold from Carl if it gets to $24. Then he'd start to be buying in at, at that price. It's around twenty three ten at the moment. Uh, NRW a, a a trading uh, buy from Michael, a hold from Carl, and Latitude a sell from Michael, a hold from Carl. In that sector, Carl prefers QBE and Suncorp. Carl Capalinga from Think Markets. Always great to have you aboard, mate. Uh, keep keep cool in the West there. Always, always right? great to be here. Yeah, great yeah thanks, mate. For, thanks for having me, uh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Always great to have you aboard as thanks, well. Thanks, Koshi. Good to be here. Been a great hour. Fascinating companies and really good analysis from both both Michael and Carl. Look, if you've got any stocks in your portfolio that you want a bit more information or you'd like an analysis on, uh, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. And look, if you've got a question around your stock, put that in as well. Or if you have, um, if you want a particular uh, expert on the panel to give their opinion, we'll save it up for when they come on uh, next on the call. So you can do all things like that. And I know a lot of you uh, have your favourite experts and uh, and like to get their view on it. Uh, that's it from us for today um, for the call. Don't forget Matt Common, uh, the boss of Commonwealth Bank, uh, live on Ausbiz at 2.20 um, Eastern Daylight Time. A lot to talk to Matt about their uh, increasing impairments, but um, he's forecasting a soft landing in terms of the economy. Touch wood. Uh, we'll find out what his customers are going through at the moment, particularly consumers, home loan borrowers and small business customers, um, because he knows exactly how they're being affected. So it should be a fascinating interview with Matt coming up later this afternoon. That's all ahead of us on Ausbiz. Don't go away.